me, let me just say what I'm going to say first here. We'll go from here. Mind you, I'm speaking of the sun and a concerned American. Anybody, any American, whether you were red or blue, should be extremely disturbed by what happened here today, by the continued politicization of the Justice Department. This is disgusting. This is absolutely absurd, and it's the continued politicization of the Justice Department that we have seen. And it has to stop. If this can happen to the former president's lawyer, this can happen to any American. Enough is enough. The only piece of evidence that they did not take up there today was the only piece of incriminating evidence that is in there. And it does not belong to my father. It belongs to the current president's son. That's all I have to say. Any questions you can refer to his lawyer. All I will say is this. To all Americans out there, our Justice Department should be independent of politics. Enough is enough, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot stand for this anymore. And again, if this can happen to the president's lawyer, this can happen to any one of us. Thank you. I'll refer to my, I'll refer to my father's lawyer for further questions and statements. You guys have a nice day. Well, that was Andrew Giuliani there talking about how if the political persecution of his father can happen to his father, the president's lawyer, then indeed it can happen to anyone. And of course, we know it has. Welcome to another episode of The National Pulse. I'm Raheem Kassam, editor-in-chief of thenationalpulse.com. You will remember last week, I hope. You will remember last... Unless you had an amazing weekend. You will remember last week, Paul and Marilyn Huper coming on this show and detailing to us, you know, minute by minute, hour by hour, the FBI raiding their home and business up there in Homer, Alaska, where they went in, guns up, and said, hey, we're looking for Nancy Pelosi's laptop. Now, you know, law enforcement authorities are often known to embellish and trap people, and I don't know if there's a laptop missing from Nancy Pelosi's office. I don't know if that's just a a ruse by which to try and get Paul and Marilyn Huper to go, oh, well, yeah, we were in there, but we didn't take the laptop. I don't know. What we do know is that Paul and Marilyn Huper were not in there and that they don't have Nancy Pelosi's laptop in their spa in Alaska. But what we do know is that they are Donald Trump supporters, that they were at the ellipse on January the 6th, that they are outspoken about their views on their social media profiles. And we know that about a dozen FBI officers attempted to put the fear of not God, but the state into them last week. If you haven't yet listened to that episode, go back and make sure you cover it. But, you know, my, my fiancé asked me this weekend, she goes, hey, Raheem, what, what exactly is going on with this with this Giuliani stuff? And honestly, I said, I, I don't actually know. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in and up to my neck on the, the this story from last week in Alaska. We're, we're following minute by minute the developments, or the non-developments, I should say, in the Matt Gates case, or non-case, and I, I f- honestly just do not have the detail on this. So who better then to come and talk to us about what exactly is going on than the voice you just heard there, and that is none other than Andrew Giuliani himself. Andrew, welcome to the National Pulse. 
Raheem, thank you very much for having me on. I got to tell you, after that introduction right there, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to fight Apollo Creed or something like that. That <laughs> felt like, uh, you know, a two-minute Rocky uh, pump you up thing. So, uh, I mean, very, very impressive by you and your team. Well, I, I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, your opinion means the world to me. You are a... I mean, that that 90 seconds that you gave last week really laid out the stakes um, of, 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 of exactly what is going on here in the malfeasance that we're seeing in, in the DOJ and beyond. And, and everything that we've seen stay there throughout a lot of the Trump era. You, of course, you, of course, were in the Trump administration. You understand the holdovers and the, the, the people inside who you were doing battle with every single day. So, But just let's rewind this a little bit for the audience here because it seems like there's, you know, scandal after scandal at the moment. And I'm not sure yeah. everybody can focus on what's going on here. So just, just lay it out for us. What exactly happened last week and what was, what was, what was, the, um, what was the impetus for this? Yeah. So Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., the FBI, seven FBI agents uh, raided my father's apartment. They they were searching for devices, right? So cell phones, iPads, laptops, uh, and the like. They took two of his cell phones. They took an iPad. Um, The one piece that they did not take which I mentioned before, but it is pretty amazing because they were about to take it and they found out that it was, that it did not belong to my father, that it belonged to Hunter Biden. They chose not to was the hard drive of Hunter Biden. And, and as I said, that was the only incriminating piece of evidence that was there. Um, I would, I would guess that if any of your listeners, I would suggest any of your listeners ever get raided by the FBI, uh, just if you don't want them to take something, just tell them it's Hunter Biden and they, <laughs> and they may decide not to take it. So they thought that my father is uh, interesting, that they would raid his house, they would take his devices, yet he's honorable and trusted enough to believe that that actually is Hunter Biden. Um, for so the record, happening, Andrew, uh, for the record, yeah. everything I own belongs to Hunter Biden, so they can't take anything. <laughs> On the oh, I'm sure the FBI is listening to this conversation, so I I, uh, I hope they note that down there, right at the top of the page. <laughs> do not raid <laughs> DNR. Do not raid. It's all it's all hard to buy. Yeah. So look, you know, we we had that situation. Of course, in and of itself, is perhaps one of the most frightening things you could imagine happening. Right. That that at a time when. Uh, the the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, was going through these impeachment processes. In the background, you had his own government attempting and and, and getting surveillance uh, warrants, secret surveillance warrants, yeah. on his personal, his private attorney, on his lawyer. Yeah, no, it's, it's beyond absurd, you know. But this is this is the same government that um, that thought it fine to actually get four FISA warrants, which we learned was based off of an opposition research dossier, not on actual intelligence. So, you know, this is a trend. And the truth is, Raheem, this is a trend just for people who are connected with Donald J. Trump. Not, mm. not if you're close with Barack Obama, not if you're close with Joe Biden, certainly not if you're Hunter Biden. Um, but, but this seems to just happen more and more to conservatives who have been involved uh, in in the Trump administration or representing President Trump, you know this is to happen to the president, the former president's lawyer. I mean that that happens in a banana republic. That doesn't happen in the United States of America. I mean this is this is what you see in third world countries when when somebody else comes into power or takes over power. 
they then go after their political opposition. Andrew, I mentioned the Gates case, right? I mean, we're five weeks. Have yeah. we ever heard of a situation where we're five weeks in after an original accusations drop in the New York Times and you don't have an accuser, you don't have anybody coming forward, you don't have anybody on the, rec- on the record, and, all, and what you've got is law enforcement leaking things to the Daily Beast who then launder it and it appears mm-hmm. on CNN. I mean, Banana Republic would be, a, would be welcome right yeah. now. This is beyond... Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it's, it, I know you're, you're specifically focused on the Gates case, yeah. but to take it out even a little bit wider Please. than that, you know, I look at hit, the hit pieces recently on, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene yeah. or on uh, Madison Cawthorn or on Ronnie Jackson. Mm. This is anybody who's connected with Trump that they that they're going after. Mm. I mean, it's, it's almost like they're trying to take them out one by one by one. And you are absolutely right to point out the connection between the Department of Justice or the Department of Injustice, I guess, and the leftist media, because that's exactly what happens. They basically are this reflecting mirror where, you know, DOJ leaks something, whether it's true or not, to leftists in the media. And the leftists in the media say, well, it comes from DOJ, so this must be credible. And they put it out there. And then and then it continues to reflect on itself until it looks like it's something that's really credible. When you have, you know, a paper like the New York Times, which is once was well-respected, and then, you know, the DOJ out there and they're pushing a similar story. A lot of Americans are going to believe it. Um, unfortunately, they seem to be two very, very incredible sources these days. Uh, you know, two sources that I think used to be very trusted. And that's another thing, right? My father was in the DOJ for, right. uh, for, for 10 years. He was the youngest associate attorney general in the history of our country. He was the greatest U.S. attorney. Uh, in the Southern District and maybe the history of our country. He's very, very disappointed to see the lack of independence amongst the Justice Department. And that all started under Barack Obama, specifically under Attorney General Eric Holder. You mentioned those uh, those magic words that I think are not talked about enough at the moment, those words being Barack and Obama. Um you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it does occur, it does occur to me that the, that there's a lot going on in and around what I don't think is necessarily the Biden orbit, but what I think is the Obama orbit. Uh, the White House won't tell us how often the two speak. They won't tell us how often, you know, if ever Obama's been inside, had meetings, you know, what what, what have you? Mm-hmm. Do do you suspect? You know, if if I'm wrong, if I'm being a loony conspiracy theorist just tell me do you suspect that there is an obama world kind of operation going on that that is actually pushing a lot of this because i don't i don't necessarily see biden as that guy mm-hmm. yeah you know i think it's probably not uh, obama and biden who are speaking that often because i don't know if biden can stay up enough during the day to be honest i think it's probably obama and ron Klain, mm. and that's to your point right i mean i do i do think that that's that that probably is 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 accurate. I think, I think that, uh, you know, he still probably is, is running the show. And so in so many ways here, or, or certainly is in the loop on this, you know, I find it very hard to believe this is going a little off topic, but nice. I find it very hard to believe that Joe Biden did not know that the FBI was going to be raiding my father's, my father's apartment. Right. Many crime, you look at motive. Joe Biden had the motive to, uh, to do everything he could to sully Rudy Giuliani's reputation, right? Considering the information that my father has on his on his son, on Hunter. You, um, you talk so, you, you talk uh, about that, and I've yeah. got to tell you, I've just gone through and listened. I, I, I like to listen to audio books rather than read them because I always 
I always can listen to them on two times speed and I get through them a lot quicker. And I, I went through, um, right. you know, beautiful things, uh, Hunter Biden's book. And uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of mentions of your father. There are a lot of, I mean, nasty things that he says uh, about your father in there. It's almost, almost sounded like a tee up for something that was, that was, you know, about to, about to come down the pipeline. And of course, you know, uh, Hunter Biden would have shown, would have had to have shown uh, his father that book. I'm no doubt that his father would have had an a, a input on what in what goes on in that book. Mm-hmm. So you kind of start to see this framing of of your father as one of the you know the the linchpins of this whole Trump world. You know they're gonna they're gonna start targeting it like a like a you know almost like a crime syndicate but but the truth couldn't be more mm-hmm. opposite than that is that actually and and I've been through the hard drive Andrew the um, the the evidence is yeah. is so very clear that 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 Hunter yeah. Biden was engaged in some of the most malign nefarious activity that you could ever participate in as a member of the first or second families and back to the usual democrat playbook this on the back end of it the the, the aggressiveness serves as the cover up yeah, I think that I think that's absolutely right. I mean, they are, you know, they're projecting what they what they are actually doing onto uh, onto us. Uh, you know, right. you Always like you said, same. you've you've been through that hard drive. You've you've seen you've seen ultimately what happened. And and look, you know, this is something that we've heard time and time again. But again, it's it's so simple to see this, right? Mm-hmm. If Hunter Biden at the time, and this is not about his drug use, but if Hunter Biden at the time was high on crack cocaine, and he is the one who is run, running corporate governance for Burisma, while his father is vice president of the United States and running policy for the Obama White House in the Ukraine, can't people make that connection? Isn't that pretty obvious? Right. Can't they also make the connection that while Joe Biden was running China policy, he flies over there and 10 days later gets a $1.5 billion contract for his private equity group, also while he is addicted. And again, this is not about recovery. I certainly want anybody, whether right. you're left or right, to be able to recover. This is the fact that it again shows that he was not qualified, he was under the influence, and Joe was the one who was using him in order to enrich his family. That's the real crime here. It's what Joe Biden put Hunter through in order to do this. And it's probably one of the reasons why Hunter was so dependent on substance. I think that actually comes across in the book. I don't think you are making a, a particularly out there statement. Hunter Biden makes some some pretty, pretty um, you know, lucid uh, points and pretty lucid fingers at his own family throughout that book. But but mm-hmm. let let's come back to this weekend because you, actually on the back of all of this, uh, you guys have had a. I mean, Giuliani. Inc. If I can call you that, have had a pretty big win, right, over this weekend, where you had you had the New York Times, you had the Washington Post, and a whole slew of others having to effectively. Yeah. I mean, they now call it a correction, right? But it's not a correction. Fundamentally, it's yeah. a retraction, and it, and it should be and it should yeah. be you know uh, scrubbed from history. But they made this allegation that, yeah. that 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 Mayor Giuliani, your father, was was briefed in advance by the FBI. So was One American News, briefed in advance by the FBI that they were the targets of Russian disinformation. Uh, it was only thirty six hours. Just com- yeah, com- completely wrong. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. It, it was completely wrong. Not only that, my father actually uh, volunteered three different times through his lawyer Bob Costello to sit down with the FBI. Um, to, to see if they had, uh, it, you know, to, to basically 
offer if they, if they had any questions about things that were non-related mm-hmm. to his, um, you know, to his representing the president of the United States. And all three times they declined, um, and they decide instead to uh, to actually, you know, crash in his apartment at 6 a.m. in the morning on Wednesday. Um, and, and what ends up happening, as you said, from the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC News, who knows which other leftists in the media. Uh, this is, again, a, uh, I would call it, they continue to seem to do this, which they want to make the most salacious headlines as possible. Mm. And then later, it's actually amazing to see them retract it within 72 hours like this. What normally ends up happening is it fizzles out at some point in a few months. You never hear about it. There's a retraction in the 37th page of the New York Times or something like that in very small print where you don't see it. So the fact that they, they had to retract it within 72 hours shows just how wrong they got it and just how worried they may be uh, about potentially uh, libeling uh, the former president's attorney. Right. You used a very critical word there, which which comes straight to the heart of the matter as, as far as I see it, and that's remedy. Mm-hmm. Right. What is remedy mm-hmm. for when for when, you know, brazen outright lies not just get told, but they, they circulate the yeah. ecosystem and the ecosphere in such a way yeah. that it takes years and years to point out to ordinary people that, hey, remember that thing you heard two years ago? Yeah, it was yeah. actually debunked within thirty six hours of it coming out, but you never heard about yeah. that. So what does remedy look like? Yeah. And, and you know it's a good question, and it's uh, and and that's the intent of all this. So I, I'm answering a little bit of a different question. Mm-hmm. But for your listeners, the intent is the remedy is difficult when you're talking about a public figure, right? It's, it's very very difficult for a public figure to actually claim libel right. when it comes to news organizations. These news organizations know that, and so because of that, this is their strategy. The strategy is to go out there, and as I said before create as many salacious headlines as possible. The Justice Department knows that. They play into this. And that's how you end up getting what you ended up happening with the Russia collusion story for two and a half years, which was every single top of the hour on CNN, on MSNBC, was Donald Trump is going down today. They're going to take him out of the White House in handcuffs. You know, it's just a matter of time. Um, it's the same. It's, it's the same exact story. So what's the remedy? You know, I'm going to let my father and his lawyer determine what the actual remedy is. But what I can tell you is this is certainly a strategy by them. This is not something that they made a mistake on. This is a strategy to make it as salacious, as, you know, as damning as possible. Facts be damned, if you will. A lot of it, a lot of it looks... And, and I'm not even just talking about what's happening to your father, but again, back to what's going on with Congressman Gates and 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 all beyond. I mean, even mm-hmm. even all the way down to Paul and Marilyn Huber out in Homer, Alaska, right? Yeah. And it's it's malice. It's it's but malice. You know, from to prove malice, you need discovery, and for discovery, you need the you need to actually be able to bring the case. And like you say, look, we are all massive, massive proponents of the First Amendment. But my question that I keep asking is how, you know, at what point do these reporters get treated like what they really are, which is which is partisan activists who need to be held to account for their for their fakery? Look, I know we've only got you for a few more minutes, Andrew. I'm really appreciative for your time. So let me let me move on to this topic real quick. Um, New York- but, but you're right. I, I, let me just comment yeah. on that. You, you're right, too, Ibrahim. I mean, just think about that Joe Biden's first press conference um, when uh, I can't remember who it was, Yamichi Alcindor. Mm. basically gave him this, you know, glowing compliment. And, and I kept thinking, I was like, did Sean Spicer 
Sarah Sanders, Kaylee McEnany, Donald Trump ever get one question, one leading question like that in four years? No. And I can't think of one. I mean, I, I know the president's favorite milkshake, but nobody's ever asked me that question. Oh, okay, hold on, Andrew. What, what is the president's favorite? What, what was Donald Trump's favorite milkshake? I'm sorry. I lied. I don't know his favorite, but I know he likes vanilla. He likes vanilla. <laughs> but you know, you raised such a good point because you even had people, you know, at One American News in that press briefing room asking questions of of Kaylee McEnany, and they never asked yeah. softball questions, right? They asked questions never. of stories that they were working on, and that's how it's supposed to be. Rather than, hey, uh, Mister um, Mister Biden, he announced this really amazing plan last week, and it's super cool, and I'm just wondering, yeah. like, you know, how does he find time in the day to love his crazy dog, and you know, while he's pooping all over the white anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to Signal here. And one of the things that we, we have heard from uh, from you on is um, Andrew Cuomo. We have Matt Palumbo uh, on the show uh, immediately after you. He's the author of Dumb and Dumber, the book about uh, uh, Cuomo and de Blasio and the, the ruination, unfortunately, of, of New York City. So tell me, you know, you said you said you would be making a, a more formal uh, decision by the end of April if you were going to run for New York governor. Have, have you made mm -hmm. that decision yet? So I need one more week. So what I would say is, how about you and I get back at some point in the next couple of weeks and I will have a decision for you. But I, I would say I am as closer to yes than ever. Uh, what's happened in New York State, State is absolutely uh, it's terrible. I mean, the economy has been devastated up here. New York is going to be one of two states that's going to lose population. I'm not just talking about congressional seats. I'm talking right. about population. So mm -hmm. California is losing, losing congressional seats. They're slightly gaining population. New York and Illinois are actually going to lose population. People are going down to Florida. Some of our greatest businesses, our biggest job-reducing businesses are moving down to Florida and taking, uh, you know, taking, taking their jobs, taking their tax pay their taxpayers with them, unfortunately. And, and the problem uh, is going to be that the people who cannot afford the other option is going to be left holding the bag. So I think, I think now more than ever, there's an opportunity to see uh, New York uh, have the resurgence that we saw during the 90s, during the early 2000s. And the way that I look at New York, Raheem, you know, New York to me is what connects the United States to the rest of the world. I mean, I go back to the Erie Canal and the digging of the Erie Canal, things that they thought were impossible. And that connected world commerce to the United States through New York. New York can do that. We just need the right leadership. Uh, as, as I'm sure you will hear from your next guest, Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio are not the right leaders to bring New York back. They certainly are the right leaders to continue to kick people out of state and make Ron DeSantis uh, look even better as he's done an incredible job. Just, just final question on this. Let's, you know, I want to, I want to make some news here with you. Okay, I really need to understand mm -hmm. the the gravity of the situation because uh, everybody sang Andrew Cuomo's praises at the outset of the pandemic, and he was on television every day, and his nipple rings are hanging out, and you know, all of this like wild and crazy and awful thing that was going on 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 our television screens. Yeah. But behind those scenes, there, my my take on it, Andrew, is that he was he was murdering people. He there is no other way to describe it. Because, yeah, well, uh, and and I want to get and like how far do you go on that? Yeah, yeah. No, to that point, look, I think that's absolutely right. And, and here's a good thing for your listeners to, to kind of add the timelines up on this. So uh, in 
right when the pandemic started, President Trump sent up USS Comfort to the Hudson River, mm. right? Andrew Cuomo decided that he was going to sign the executive order that ended up sending 15,000 New York seniors to their deathbed, right? The reason why he signed that executive order is because he did not want to give Donald Trump the win of being able to send New Yorkers into the USS Comfort. So Andrew Cuomo's ego, his ego, is what ended up killing all of those senior citizens. They had the options. They had extra beds at the Javits Center they did not use, and they certainly had extra beds sent up by Donald Trump in the USS Comfort, and they didn't use it, and it was all because of Andrew Cuomo's ego. So I think that's very fair to say that, Raheem. I think anybody who would have taken an independent look at this would have said, you know what? This is the right thing to do. We have this space. Mm. Let's get these sick people there and we'll treat them there instead of actually sending them back in with with people who were healthy at the time who then ended up getting sick, who then ended up dying. These are people's lives, you know, ended, as you say, because of ego, yep. not just statistics, people's lives. The, in a lot of cases, the last years of their lives, you know, uh, you know, just just cut yeah. short, brutal brutal um andrew giuliani i'll take your i'll take you up on the offer to come back uh when when you have more to tell us um in the meantime where can people follow you so on twitter andrew h giuliani and on instagram same thing at andrew h giuliani that is the best way um and i i look forward to being back on with you Raheem. thank you very much for your time and keep up the great work you guys have been absolutely incredible and, and i've loved what you've done i love it thank you so much and same to you andrew giuliani thanks again for your time Thank you. Amazing. Amazing man. I think we'll find out a lot more about what's really going on with these cases. I think you and I are on the same page, ladies and gentlemen. About what's really going on. It's hard to deny, isn't it? When you look across the board and you look at all the different people who are being targeted. In in most cases, the staunchest supporters and indeed the most targeted um nuclear weapons against the left are the ones who are now being assailed by the DOJ by the corporate media across the board now look before i um before i bring in matt palumbo who i advertised was going to be coming on the show as well today star studded show uh ladies and gentlemen i i need i need i wish i was going to say i wish this had um video to it but i know that's uh, <laughs> that's what you guys keep telling me and i keep going yeah we'll get cameras in here one day but i do wish you could see this it, it, it's on my social media you can find it but i want to play you this um this audio from my hometown okay i spent most of my life growing up um on the streets of uxbridge in west london uh on the high street uh going to the pubs, the shops, I worked in many of them, um, the coffee shops, the train station there. Um, Uxbridge had a history. It's kind of basically been paved over now. It's any town, UK, you know, the type I'm talking about. It's all chain coffee shops now, Starbucks, fast food places, all, all that. But it, it really had, it really had character when I was growing up there. And I'm so stunned and saddened by this footage that's come out from Uxbridge Town Centre. Again, I used to hang out here 
I mean, four or five times a week, it was a walk from my front door. You know, you'd go to the shopping center, the mall, as you would call it in America. You'd go to the cinema. You'd go to the pub. Um, I probably went to every single pub in Uxbridge many, 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 many times. Um, probably, I, mean, I worked in the other shopping center on the other side of the high street. I worked in a computer game shop. I worked in a framing shop. Um, you know, this place, this place means something to me. I got on that tube every day from Uxbridge to go to to go to university. It took forty minutes to go from Uxbridge to Central London back again. I mean, I, I just wanted like, like I spent a lot of time here, and so this this footage in front of me is jarring. It's jarring, but of course it was totally predictable as well. This is a well-dressed, you know, khakis, blue blazer, glasses, think shirt, tie. Basically, dresses like I do. I'm not obstructing the highway. If people want to pass by, they can. And he's a Christian preacher. And he's standing right outside Uxbridge train station, tube station, right outside the entrance to what used to be... He's now being read his rights. He's outside the shopping centre, the chimes. Outside my bank, in fact. It's where I where I first opened my first bank account. There's a shop called Sweet Express behind him. My 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 one of my parents' friends owns that shop. And this man is being told to get off his soapbox. He's standing on a little box. And now he's being manhandled by a by a police officer who can barely speak English who's now wrestling with him, an elderly man. This is England in 2021. He's being told that he was placed under arrest for committing a hate crime. He's an old man, mate. Take it easy with him. Preaching the word of God. You heard it there. What was he doing in Uxbridge Town Centre? He's preaching from the Bible. God bless you. He's now being led away. Look what he's carrying this old man. Look at this. Marching him down the high street, over the cobble pavements. It's unreal. I mean, no, it really is unreal. And I don't know what I would have done if I were there. I would have probably got arrested myself along with him because he's being strong-armed by this little, little, what I'm sure is a little atheist girl in a mask, reading him his rights, saying, we're arresting you because we've had reports that you've said certain things that qualify as a hate crime. And of course, this this oaf, this brute, barely speaks English, 
in a police uniform, manhandles him and leads him away. Frog marches him down the high street. I mean, what do you what do you say to something like that? It's Britain in 2021, and an old English man is being led away in handcuffs by a small woman in a mask and a bloke in a foreign accent. And his crime is reading the Bible in public. You know, I wrote uh, I wrote a book in 2018 called Enoch Was Right. It's about um, Enoch Powell. Enoch Powell, by the way, I think the first person in the West to be the victim of cancel culture. 1968. And he dared, he dared object to mass migration. And he was ejected from public life, booted from the Conservative Party, stripped of his position, never to re-enter government. Literally, just... I mean, if you... Members who join up, by the way, to the nationalpulse.com get a free signed copy of Enoch Was Right, just FYI. Or you can find it online. I'm, f- I'm afraid you can only find it on Amazon because it was published several years ago. It was self-published on Amazon. Um, I'd much rather send you a signed one myself. So go to fundrealnews.com and sign up and I'll, I'll send you one. Um, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I want to, I'm going to dial in our um, our next guest now. That's uh, Matt Palumbo. Oh, that's a bit loud. Matt Palumbo of the Bongino Report. I want to get his views on uh, all things Cuomo. Hey, Reem. Hello, Matt Palumbo. You are live. Oh, we're actually live? Oh, yeah. I don't... Oh, very close. I thought it was pre-recorded for some reason. Well, Okay. It's live to tape. <laughs> so it is. It's live to tape. But you okay, are so, but, but you are live to tape right now. Excellent. All uh, right. Well, I, I like that you pull me up on that because that is actually the correct terminology. Um uh, Matt Palumbo, you are the author of Dumb and Dumber, which I notice is still getting more press pickup over the course of this weekend. It seems like every uh every time you reach the end we reach the end of a Matt Palumbo news cycle, a whole new one just starts like magic. I hope it's doing I hope it's doing great sales for you, getting all this coverage. But I'm sad as to the reasons why, of course, that people mm-hmm. are Googling uh Andrew Cuomo. I shouldn't say Googling searching Andrew Cuomo and finding out what's really going on now things that you were you were you were way 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 ahead of the curve on um and that's and that's the you know the the repeated allegations i think could easily be confirmed true now of the cover up that he was engaged in yep. of the people he was murdering and we just yeah, had we just had Andrew Giuliani on before you, Matt, and and he's saying the same thing. And you know, this guy's a very serious guy. He's mulling a run for for governor of New York himself, so he's not going to say anything crazy. But I said it to him. I said, "Hey, is this or is this not murder?" And he was like, "Look, I think you put it exactly correctly." So, Matt, I mean, this man has has not just. I mean, forget the the sexual allegations for a second, right? Because. Uh, the, it almost seems like the sexual allegations were were the ones that the media focused on to try and cover up the mass murder that Andrew Cuomo ordered. Tell me. Well, that's that's the sad thing. Is like you know as bad as the sexual harassment allegations are, and you know, I think that alone is is enough for anyone to resign. 
you know, in comparison to, you know, murdering 12,000 senior citizens, you know, inappropriately touching someone does appear minor. And yeah, there, there was actually a lot of people saying that when, when it happened, that that was sort of the real reason, uh, you know, behind publicizing them is because, well, it at least covers up, you know, the, the even bigger scandal, a much more de- uh, deadly scandal. And, you know, the, the all, throughout all of 2020, the theme in the media, and, and it wasn't just the media, I mean, Dr. Fauci also praised Cuomo, uh, but their theme was that, you know, the man could do no wrong and his, his, um, you know, his pandemic response was a model for the rest of the country to emulate. And, you know, you can look at their death rate at any time during a pandemic, you know, since it hit, it hit New York. And at every single time period, if New York were its own country, it would have had more coronavirus deaths per capita than any country in the world. So there's just, you can't plead, plead ignorance or say, you know, we, we didn't know at the time how bad it was because all the data was out there. And in fact, the large, you know, a large motivation of what caused me to write the book. And, you know, it wasn't until either January or February that we started learning of the nursing home cover-up. Uh, the media started covering it, and then that's sort of what led to them finally addressing and acknowledging the nursing home scandal. But, you know, in the book I wrote about that back in August, I was saying, hey, you know, it's a little weird how they're counting these nursing home deaths and that if you're in a nursing home, get coronavirus, and then get transported to a hospital, they don't count that as a nursing home death, even though you got it in a nursing home. So I, you know, I estimated in the book it was probably twice as many nursing home deaths as were recorded, and I, I can't. I think it was the um, uh, I can't remember which. Oh yeah, I can't remember which New York uh, department uh, ended up uh, releasing the actual numbers. And it was it was pretty much or it must have been the health department, but it was pretty much in line with we, what we had in the book. So you know, if I was ahead of it by you know eight eight or so months, how was it that the rest of the media was? Um, and I don't really think they were. I think they were just deliberately covering it up. I think that's absolutely right. So tell us, um, you know, we're starting to see some of these stories re-emerging now. People are very, very cagey about doing so. I think they know that if they, if the media was giving this the requisite attention that it deserves, I mean, thousands. How, I mean, give me a number here. I mean, we, we keep saying thousands. You, you just said it's 12 somewhat accurate? It's about 12,000. Yeah, it's about 12 to 16,000. Um, yeah, it's different from depth overall. I'm just and, and here's to... the thing. Here's the thing. So it's all because that nursing home order Cuomo signed that forced, um, uh, forced ho- uh, hospitals to give up or, or forced nursing homes to take coronavirus infected patients. Um, there was one hospital, or one nursing home uh, in the entire state of New York that said this order is stupid. We're not going to obey it, right. and they had zero nursing home deaths. So you know clearly the policy made an impact there. Um, and you know you can look at Florida as an example of. of a place that did pretty much the exact opposite policy, and their nursing home fatality rate was, I think, something like a third or even less of what New York's was. So clearly, uh, that kind of policy works. And, you know, we know now, a year on, that most, most coronavirus deaths are A, elderly, we kind of knew that back then, uh, and B, obese. So it's just those are the two demographics you have to protect the most. And, you know, he did quite literally the opposite when it comes to the elderly. I just want to come back to that number, Matt, because, you know, j- jokes and hyperbole and, and, and all of that aside, I mean... That's a that's a serious. I mean, these people are not just statistics, right? This is this is people's lives that have been cut short by uh, politicking um, and and PR and ego and and all of that. Is that is there a, is there an example in American history of 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 anybody ever being responsible for for that many deaths like on that scale like this? I can't I can't think of. You would have to, I mean, I'm sure if you were to include, you know, war and that kind of well, thing. Well, no, for sure. Yeah, all right, but, fine, but, war. But, yeah, but, you know, this is not a war. Right. This I is- mean, you know, 
I would say, you know, unintentionally, I'm, I'm, there must have been national policies like, you know, prohibition probably because it led to a rise in organized crime or, or you know, less people creating their own alcohol. I think still like yeah, 100,000 people. Yeah, but that's several steps that's away, different. you know. That's... And, and the, the, the difference is, you know, we didn't have any, you know, no implementing those laws knew about those unintended consequences. Right. But perspective of Cuomo is we have a virus. We know the virus disproportionately kills the elderly. Right. And you want to miss people with the virus with the elderly. I mean, it's it, anyone. I mean, I remember when, when that, that order was passed, thinking to myself, well, it's probably not the best idea. Right. And it, obviously that, that just panned out tragically. It's extraordinary. Uh, what are, are you hearing anything? I mean, I don't know how much you're keeping up to date with the with the play by play on this, but but are you hearing anything in terms of class action lawsuits being brought against him or the city or the or sorry the the, the state? I mean, what what are the families of these of these you know twelve thousand, sixteen thousand people doing? Yeah, I'm not up to date the lawsuits, and I think, unfortunately, there is some legal liability with the nursing homes. I do believe he gave them legal liability mm-hmm. uh, ahead, of, ahead of time mm-hmm. um, to shield themselves. Now, there is a uh, New York Department of Health is has an investigation into this, but it's uh, you know the, the it's sort of having you know yourself investigate yourself. It's not going right. to you know it's you know, not exactly optimistic. And you know the other angle, and this really only would play out if Trump was still president, was that the cover-up, too, is the crime. That we know that part of the reason they covered up nursing home deaths is because they knew if it looked really bad, Trump's DOJ will look into them. You know, you could argue that's obstruction of justice preemptively. Um, but, you know, now that Biden's president, you know, it, it, there's only going to be consequences if Biden's DOJ does the right thing. And I think there's a 0% <laughs> chance of that, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we just... Uh... Yeah. We just heard from Andrew Giuliani about what they're doing with uh, with his father and, and, and what's you know what's coming down the pipeline there. We see what's going on with Congressman Gates. We look at what's going on with you know people like Paul, ordinary people, right? With Paul and Marilyn Huber out in Homer in, in Alaska, and you know all of these abuses of power that we're seeing right now. Let's 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 stick to somebody who is just one just. I, I mean, I can't. I don't know of a better way to describe it as as a magnificent abuse of power. I've never seen such a thing in, in my lifetime, and that's Dr. Fauci. Um, this is a person who ostensibly should have no power, is is effectively a a, a paper pusher, a bureaucrat, um, but is the highest paid of 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 all government employees, uh, and is wielded power like I don't think Americans have ever seen uh, on a on a on a as you say non war basis. Yeah. Um, Fauci now is coming out, and 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 his and his cadre, his phalanx of of of, of scientists, um, and I use that in the in the in the most pejorative sense possible, uh, yeah. are saying there is no herd immunity on the horizon, and they're pointing at people. I don't know about you, uh, Matt, but I have certainly not received a vaccine. I certainly will not receive a vaccine. Um, but they're pointing at us and they're saying, oh, it's, it's these crazy nut jobs that are stopping us getting to herd immunity. The truth of the matter is, of course, Matt, is that there are so many different variants. There are so many different unknowns. There are different things that are being learned about, you know, what's going on in India and what's going on in Brazil. And, 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 and of course, day by day, we start to hear more people saying, ah, you know, this actually it could have come from it could have come from a Wuhan lab after all. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, I mean, what do you make of this latest story? The New York Times is now pushing that, hey, forget herd immunity. It, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the New York Times also said we wouldn't have a vaccine until, I think, like 2032. So mm. I, I don't know if their uh, projections are the most reliable. And you oh, I wish we hadn't have. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, 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 I side with them on that. 
So you mentioned Fauci's the highest paid uh, in our in the federal government. Yeah. Uh, Cuomo is actually the highest paid governor in history. So it's you know two of the most incompetent, so fortunately getting rewarded the most. Now I don't, I don't, here's the thing. Okay, look, let's get into this. I don't think I don't think these are incompetent people. I think they I, are. No, you're, you're right. You know I, that, that's the thing. Actually, when people ask me like which is dumb and which is dumber, like, mm. I think I think Cuomo's actually intelligent. I think he's sort of like a Frank Underwood type uh, yeah. Democrat. Um, and, and, you know, uh, de Blasio is the ideologue from the 60s who doesn't know anything. But um, yeah. well, well, back to herd immunity, I, mm-hmm. I remember Fauci initially was, at, I think, 60 percent as a threshold of herd immunity. Then I got pushed to 70 and yep. now we're up to 85 <laughs> yeah. percent. Um, and, you know, I, I get I understand with science. Like, yes, science evolves. Um, you know, there's a new virus. We're, we're understanding it. But there's never really any explanation given when the goalposts move. Like, there was a very uh, viral clip recently of uh, Jim Jordan roasting Fauci and just asking, when is this going to end? And Fauci would say, oh, well, when certain numbers are met, you know, when you some certain case numbers and death numbers, and he wouldn't give you a specific when we're at he, this percent. He wouldn't even give, he wouldn't even yeah. give a, a um, percentage, right? Correct. Uh, forget, look, I'm not looking for how many, like, what is the number of, I don't need 301 million, 250, give me a percentage, give me what yeah. what you are working towards, but he wouldn't do that. Yeah, and, and also the thing is, you know, I mean, we're at a place right now where basically everyone who wants a vaccine or wanted one has gotten one, and, you know, listen, I, I, obviously people who don't have one are at risk, but they've already decided we're fine with that risk. So I, I just think it's kind of time to get on with our lives. And, you know, I had coronavirus back in back in uh, December. Uh, I think I've had hangover is worse than the coronavirus. Obviously, it's different for everyone. A lot of people have died from this thing. But I, I don't know. I mean, everyone I know who, who's gotten a vaccine has had worse side effects than I've had from the virus as a young person. So and I probably have immunity anyway. So I just, you know, as a young person who already got it, what's the point in getting vaccinated? Um, obviously, I wouldn't say that for an elderly person, but it just seems like, well, we're at, you know, a large enough percentage of the country has gotten it, plus the percent that's vaccinated, that we are probably close to that 60 years and years at threshold that all of a sudden just got bumped up to 85. They never want to stand. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about your your job, your book, your sure. the content. Is it content manager? Yeah, I don't, it kind of changes. Content manager slash editor in chief. Oh, slash wow. I, I don't Promotion. know myself. I, I, I post links all day. <laughs> I always thought it was just content manager, as in you oh, were quite yeah. satisfied with your role. Well, I, I also am very content, so maybe that will change. All right. So you're the but, you're uh, the content manager over at the Bongino yeah. Report, um, yeah. and and your your head is buried in the news. You know, uh, what is it? Twenty three hours a day, six days a week. So you're almost yeah, where I, get, I am. I get uh, I get one day for sleep, and then the rest <laughs> is work. <laughs> um. And and for me, you know, one of the most telling stories of late has been this Matt Gates saga, because yeah, I saw they uh, I saw they exposed him as a heterosexual. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> what a great point. No, seriously, what a great point. Because uh, you know, I yeah. tell you, one of my one of my guests that I have on this podcast a lot uh, is going to be you know best man at my wedding, uh, Ben Harris Quinney from the Bow Group in England. You know, he was joking to me years ago, except he wasn't joking, but I was always laughing. And he was saying, you know, there will come a time where they will persecute you for being a heterosexual male. Yeah. And this appears to be happening now. Uh, the, yeah, that's, that's, well, like, I, you know, the, the reason I, I was skeptical, you know, especially as time goes on with the Matt Gates story, is whenever there's someone out as a sexual offender, there's usually an avalanche effect. So, like, you still have it with Cuomo right. or Harvey Weinstein. Like, there's all these women. It, it's seldom the case someone abuses one woman, and there's a lot of women who 
are you know, scared about coming forward, obviously, if it's a powerful sure. person. But once one comes forward or the story breaks, it's every day there's someone else coming forward. And with Matt Gates, it's been almost a month and not a single woman no, no. forward to say they were victims. No, no, it's been, so over, it's, been, it's been over a month, Matt. It's been a, yeah. it's, we're in the fifth week of this now, and there is not a single accuser, apart from this Greenberg guy who has actually been prosecuted previously for inventing fake pedophilia charges against people. And this is the source that the Daily Beast are using. This is the yep. source that CNN are using. This is the source the New York Times are using. And I keep coming back to this point, Matt, and I will keep hammering it until, until I go blue in the face or it happens or both, which is that we need an organization which is focused solely and intently on outing reporters on doing the background digging, and I mean real, private, investigative digging, into the reporters who are consistently lying. The Paula Reeds of the world, the Gabby Orrs of the world, the Oliver Darcy's of the world. These people who hold themselves up as the arbiters uh, of information and who are, who are constantly weaponizing the information flow against People because of their because of either their political party or their philosophical beliefs or heck just because they've got a family and kids and they believe in Jesus Christ, right? And I yeah. I I desperately want somebody to reach out to me and say, right, Raheem, here's ten million dollars. Go and put a huge organization together with fifty staffers and and run train on every single fake news reporter in the Western world. You know, we, we absolutely need our sort of own media matters of organization. Obviously, our, our employees wouldn't be as confident as the media matters staff. Or but, ugly. You know, the, the same idea of just, you know, targeting them. And then, I don't know, the problem with our side is we don't really play offense. I mean, some, uh, the left will punch us in the face and our response will be, ha ha, I guess you're not tolerant after all. That is so true. That is so true. Yeah. That's exactly what we, and we, you know, and then the people on the right are like, ah, we sure showed them. Yeah. It's like, like when, when Caitlyn Jenner is now running and, and liberals are saying transphobic comments and people are like, see, I guess you don't really care about this at all. And it's like, well, of course they don't actually care. It's just something they, they, they use to, to be morally righteous to attack the rest of us. Like we, we all know this already. It's not like some great revelation. Um, and, you know, I, I, listen, I, I wish we could live in a country where there was more civil discussion and civil dialogue and just sit down and hash things out. But the, the reason there isn't is because of the left. They're the ones that go after people's jobs and their families and, uh, and you know, and their employers and, and anything tangential to them. So, uh, you know, it, it's really just fighting back at this point. It's not, you know, I, I don't want to become the left, but uh, you kind of have to to fight back against them to some extent. It's, it's, it's because we look at, we look at freedom as a, as a goal and, and they look at communism as a mission. You know? Yeah, there's there's a very famous quote from Michael Malice where he said that uh, conservatism is just progressive uh, progressivism driving the speed limit. And his point was, you know, we sort of very slowly just adopt the liberal policies, generally socially liberal policies on the right, yeah. as time goes on, just almost as a default as the culture shifts. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being counterculture, but that's the GOP nowadays. It's a, how do we appeal to this group or that group? Or, you know, we, we don't want to alienate this person or this person. And I'm thinking, well, we need 51%. So it's actually fine to alienate some people. They don't share our values. We really just need enough to get elected. Um, you know, it's, it's just a weird thing to see on our side. Anything else, Matt, that you want to you share with the audience today? Um, besides buy my book. No, no, get the book. Seriously, it's a great book. Uh, Dumb and yeah, Dumber. Yeah. Available where? No dumber. Yeah, available. I mean, obviously, I know a lot of people are boycotting Amazon, so it's also on Martha Noble. 
Um, and then if you're on my Twitter account, I have a link to like search my publisher. Um, and then also debunk this a book I did before that one. I think a lot of people would also enjoy. It's just probably like 40 or 50 or so essays just shooting down very common liberal talking points. And I tried to make it, you know, more of like a timeless book. So it, you know, it'll still be good 10 years from now in terms of what it's responding to. Can I, can I just, you know, out, out, I'm going to out you here for a second. Did you just be honest? Did you steal the research work of Natalie Winters for the, for the book? She was compensated heavily for it. <laughs> well, I wasn't. I just, I just lost a staffer for several hours a day. <laughs> no, she, no, she's very, very talented. I think it only took her a day or two. I was just, I was like, hey, I just need help with uh, a few timelines to, to help write it. Um, obviously, it was fun to report. It was just kind of hard to fit in time to write. But yeah. you know, I sort of outsourced the research to her, and she, you know, organized it all for me very, very well. Then you know, made the book a bit easier to write. Um, for Dumb and Dumber, for, for Debunk this, I did all my own research. Matt, have you seen this new Project Veritas music video? I loaded it on Twitter, and then you called, but I will uh, be on that soon. Well, no, you're going to stay on the line. You're going to listen to it, because I'm going to use it as my out music today. How about that? All right. No one ever right. says those things out loud, but it's obvious. Here's some. Bleeds, bleeds. If it bleeds, it leads. I think that's obvious. Twitter permanently suspended his account after he exposed hypocrisy. Matt, thanks for joining us. At CNN. Project Veritas, a very controversial that conservative group. promoting misinformation. The Times reported that the footage of Project Veritas was part of According a, to Stanford researchers. A coordinated disinformation. Coordinated disinformation. They sued the New York Times for defamation. Project Veritas just won a major victory in that case. Come to you and offer you $100 million. You're not going to sell. I would tell them to go to hell. I just can't believe that my face Is suing Twitter for defamation. taken down because they confronted a Facebook executive. Take a video like that down, that would be due to a doxing concern. I can show you a video of CNN doing the exact same thing. Twitter made factual statements about our client that are false. interject their opinion it stands to reason you should inform your reader. they injected their opinions in news articles new york times is tripping over themselves now he's going to be suing twitter he's not backing another down. defamation lawsuit this time against but all of this fits the project very mo promoting misinformation The Project Veritas, a conservative actionist uh, activist organization. Polling does not decide the truth or speak to evidence. 